0: There are four teams remaining in the Tulsa Premiership Race for 2021. It's been a grueling season, but the Seattle Sydney Rabbitohs, the Manly Seagulls, the Melbourne Storm, and the Penrith Panthers are the four remaining teams this season. Only two of them can make the Grand Final. Welcome to Steve's NRL 40 Tips for the Preliminary Finals. We're going to be previewing both the matches, going to be giving our Grand Final prediction. And as I alluded to, I can't do this by myself. It's been about a year and a half in the making, my special guest today I've been talking to his uh to his managers, trying to make it happen, but we finally got him on the line. Jake Barracosa, he is a diehard Cronulla Sharks fan. Welcome to the show, Barra. How you going, mate?
1: Yeah, good mate. Good to be here and uh long time listener, first time guest. So, um yeah, no, you've uh, you've definitely given me some insights into into some footy tipping this year that's probably landed me around the middle of the table, but it's been um, it's been a pleasure to <laughs> to tune in each week and um yeah, nah, keen, keen to take a look at last week's games and rip into what we're going to see over the next
0: two nights. Middle of the table is always better than the bottom of the bottom of the ladder, mate. So, hey, you know, it might not get you to the promised land, but it it was a decent effort, I think. So, uh, the tips this year. But, yeah, we've got plenty to talk about, mate. You are a diehard chronology and I mentioned that to start the show. And, you know, as I said, we've been trying to get you for a year and a half, and you've just been busy all the time, but we've got you... ...for the biggest games of the season. Jake Barracosa only comes on podcasts when the season's on the line for some of these teams. So it's good to have you on board. Obviously this season didn't go the way Cronulla fans would have necessarily liked. It started off with a a crisis, getting rid of John Morris as Cronulla's head coach. And then you guys end up finishing ninth. You needed to beat the Storm to guarantee a final spot in round 25. But the Gold Coast Titans defeated the Warriors and, and stole a final spot away from Cronulla. As a Cronulla fan, mate, you've got a few key signings coming in next year. Craig Fitzgibbon's going to be the new coach. What are your thoughts on their season in 2021, and what are you excited for most about in 2022?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit topsy-turvy in, in 2021. Like, the, the teams that don't play that fast, fast-paced fast football were kind of left behind, and, and we were one of them, I guess. Um, I mean, John Morris, I feel like he did a good job at the start of the year, and then the circus started and Josh Hanna was thrown into the mix and then before you knew it he was trying to get comfortable in his role and, and Craig Fitz was getting called up to take over next year. So it was just it was constantly talked about and there was never really much stability there. But I mean, at the end of the day, Storm Storm finished at the top of the table, scored the minor premiership and and we're gonna steal two pieces of their of their uh, they're starting 17 next year in Finucane and, and Hines, so I'm pretty pretty chuffed about that, and um, that should go a long way for us. But I tell you, I was I was gutted that your your bloke from South Sydney, Adam Reynolds, didn't land with us. Like, oh, that that would have been huge. I cannot still wrap my head around how the the blokes at South Sydney are letting him go because he. I feel like Cody Walker is a magician, but what he's able to do because of Adam Reynolds is. Yeah, so I mean I mean, still two huge major signings in Finucane and Hines, so that's exciting and um yeah, but in terms of just some positives from the year, like Toby Rudolph was a standout for me, but Connor Tracy was outstanding and I'm pretty keen to keen to see how he plays in twenty twenty two and moving forward. So yeah, so some good takeaways and yeah, hopefully next year we're looking a little bit more around that uh, middle of the top eight, or uh, I, I mean, at least getting into the top eight. Um, I mean, the Titans' analytics and mathematicians kind of uh, had to draw up a pretty big equation to land in the eight, and everything went right. But um, yeah, it was it was hard watching
0: Nico Hines put us in the grave in the in the last <laughs> week, <laughs> especially knowing that
1: he's going to be suiting up for us next week, but uh, next season. But yeah, no, it was good, mate. It was a, it was a good year of footy.
0: Yeah, mate. Well, yeah, hey, you're in the mix until the final round. It didn't go your way, but I think I said it on the podcast multiple times when I was ruling you guys out of contention for the finals, and I was getting messages from you after I finished recording the podcast, you know, back in Cronulla going, What are you doing, mate? You are never back us, but you were there till the final round. You overachieved, in my opinion, because it was, it was pretty much a bit of a rebuilding gear before your new coach gets there. And it's funny that you mentioned Nico Hines and Adam Reynolds because. Obviously, we're going to talk about Adam Reynolds more later, but it seems like you guys have signed Nico Hines to play in the halves. So it'll be interesting to see who Cronulla's halfback is because I think Will Kennedy will keep that fullback spot. And for Nico Hines, we've seen Ryan and come back in the last couple of months. And Hines is basically at the moment only playing 20 to 30 minutes, depending on the situation, off the bench of the storm. And we know how good he has been this year, how electric he's been when Pappahousen was out injured. So for him to be playing 80 minutes a week for Cronulla and uh, particularly in that 5-8 position. We'll see how that goes and see who's partnering in the half. You've got Tracy, you've got Moylan, you've got Trindle all in consideration. So it'll be interesting to see what, where Cronulla goes next year for sure.
1: Yeah, I think I think Hines deserves deserves the bank that he's just collected. Um, but I mean, there's a whole bunch of uncertainty there. Like I, I'd love to see him play in position at the fullback, but um, Will Kennedy's Done a, done a downright good job so I'm happy for, he to, for him to keep the spot but yeah, who, who he pairs up with in the halves is going to be interesting and I, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of him playing the role that, he, that he's going to be taking on for us next year, this year, but um, that obviously doesn't work out when you're when you play for the Hollywood Melbourne Storm team.
0: So, um... <laughs> Absolutely. And Finucane, obviously, it's a huge signing just to really refocus your forward pack. He's definitely going to be a leader for the side. So uh, he's going to be a key component to your team as well. So promising signs to Cronulla. I actually think that generally, before we get into the finals matches that we're going to momentarily, I think Cronulla, if I'm doing an early prediction, if I'm predicting my ladder for 2022 right now, I've got years on the edge of the top four because I think Hines and Fanukin. A huge huge additions to the team you, as you mentioned there's still uncertainty but I reckon there's a, definitely a promising future for your club there Barrow
1: yeah love that love that I mean I don't even know if we have a home stadium to take that home field advantage but um,
0: I think you're back next year to Shark Park yeah, I think it's all back. done yeah you're back in 2022 assuming the all the COVID situation kind of clears up a little bit as we get yeah, into it yeah beautiful fantastic
1: and um, yeah Dale Fanoukin is absolutely massive and and hopefully he's a
0: is a Danny Nutley household name for future years to come, mate. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll do uh, Nutley's legacy pread for sure. <laughs> all right, let's get to the football now. And before we do, if you guys have a like Steve's NRL Footy Tips on Facebook, please do that. Please subscribe, like, and share. Whether you guys listen to your favourite podcast every week, Steve's NRL Footy Tips is on them all. Whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor, or Google Podcast. Last weekend, uh, Barrow, we saw some big, big games. Obviously, it was sudden death football from that point onwards, and. I said in my podcast that I think the Sydney Roosters were going to be competitive against Manly, but I also said that they were running on fumes, and last Friday night pretty much highlighted that. Manly running up big winners, 42-6 uh, to 6 winners over the Roosters. So they're versus the Rabbitohs tonight. But what did you think, and what were your takeaways from that game last weekend? Manly just were dominant for real oh, I
1: think the Roosters were lucky to be there in the first place. I would have loved to have seen the Titans rally on last week but um, yeah I think they were just exposed they have more physios than athletes probably on the sideline at the moment so (laughs) um, yeah they're 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 being crumbling but coaches done a fantastic job keeping them together and getting them this far but uh, as we're going to talk about when we look at the South's Melbourne game sorry South's Manly game there's just so many weapons on that Manly side and I think it didn't matter if they went left, right, or up the
0: middle. They were just able to pull pull man, uh, the Roosters to pieces. So It was good to see their forward pack really step up as well because I highlighted after the Storm game, where Manly, in, in round one of the finals, where the Storm just ran right. Their top forward, I think, had about 73 metres to his name, and that was Sean Keppy. The rest of them just couldn't get it in the game, and that's why Tommy Turbo was really limited. So when Tommy Turbo got that space last weekend, he just made the Roosters pay for sure. You mentioned Trent Robertson, and... Because we're going to get to Manly obviously shortly when we discuss this Friday's game, tonight's game. But you you mentioned Trent Robinson. Would you uh, consider him coach of the year? Obviously, going to name the dalian medals next weekend, uh, next week. I think it's next Monday night. Tommy Turbo surely got to be the favourite for the for the main award. But uh, Robinson, a uh, Robinson, would you would you consider him coach of the year potential?
1: He's got to be in the mix, doesn't he? I mean. The boy's done a sensational job, but I, I don't give it I don't give it to him.
0: I um I think that um I think it's gotta go to Bellamy, don't you? Like, I, I would too. I, a lot that, of times Bellamy gets overlooked because of how successful he's been in twenty years that everybody just expects it. But nineteen in a row, it's a record in rugby league history. It's oh. only been done one other time in history, so He
1: he's put he's put on a for and against of pretty much positive 500 this season and it's pretty rare to get positive 300 for a season now i know the game's moving quicker and and um, with the six again ruling change but the coach's job to figure out how to play around with the analytics and find a way for your team to dominate and the, the team that's taken advantage of it this year has been melbourne so i think he He's, you're absolutely right. He does get overlooked, but he is an absolute
0: masterclass. Yep, I'd be he would be my coach of the year without a doubt. I think I named it in my team of the year that I named last year. All right, that who was are you the,
1: thinking for? Who are you thinking for the rookie of
0: the year? I reckon there's a few different ways that could go. I think CM Walker's the deserved favourite in terms that I think that they will go with him. Everybody's talking about Reese Walsh, and I think he's done a really good job for his first season, but I can't. Rule out, for my personal opinion, the likes of Dane Laurie. I think he was fantastic for the Tigers. One of their best players in his first season at fullback. Hard job to come into a, such a club that's struggling and really make that fullback position your own in, in your first season. But I think he did a really good job there. And Josh Schuster. I mean, he played two games last year, so I think he's technically, um, you know, a, a contender. And I think that he did a really good job, especially... He played, considering he's a 5'8", to transition into the second row there for Manly and to hold his own there and to really dominate in that position with Ola Kouatu, I think he did a great job. So what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think Sam Walker's got to take gold here. Um, I think he started in 17 games and he had 21 try assists and, and eight tries. So um, for an 18... He was 18 years old when he started off the season. And the other blokes you mentioned, definitely deserving of... of um, Some mention, but Sam Walker and the way he was able to, yeah, kind of steer that sinking ship around all year was it was very impressive. I
0: thought. Yep. Well, the the big difference when we get back to the Manly Roosters game here as well is that when you look at the when we look at the next game on the Saturday night, a hard, tough fought battle. Obviously, we're going to get into the Rabbitohs Manly game shortly, but Manly going into this this game tonight potentially a lot more fresh, uh, freshened up than what Penrith are doing because, you know, the game was, not to say that it wasn't an intense game, obviously Manly got over the top of them and, and any game's going to take, especially this time of year, all the players are hurting so you got to get up for every match but the fact that Manly got up early and, and really put a line on, maybe, you know, they could just kind of relax a little bit in that second half and, you know, really start thinking towards the Rabbitohs game tonight so I think that the 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 other game the the second game that we're talking about now the the Penrith Parramatta game these two teams just beat the hell out of each other Barrett, and there was some real controversial moments it was one try piece an old fashioned grind I loved it I thought it was one of the best finals matches we've seen in years but I hate that the conversations all been about the referees this uh, this week including some of my own comments but mate what did you think of last Saturday eight six the Penrith Panthers beating the Parramatta Eels
1: yeah it's always hard to remember back to that game without um thinking about all the fines and suspensions that have flooded the media throughout um the whole week. But I mean you had you had Virgo Theatrics jumping up and down, you had Mitchell Moses potentially taking a dive on that um lead runner. Yep. Um and then and then right at the end there you had um you had the ankle injury which to all to all accounts it did blow up pretty quickly like a balloon. But as far as I'm concerned, you can't stop the play unless the trainers come on and made an initial assessment. And there wasn't even a there wasn't even a Penrith trainer on the field <laughs> let let alone making a first assessment. So, um, there was a lot of things going on um, outside of the outside of the um the footy match itself but I think that it was a great game of footy but the first half was was incredible and I I think it was just back and forward back and forward and um and the second half was much of the same but um I kept thinking that that Parramatta was going to find a try especially towards the end there but um as things go for Parramatta sometimes it just didn't happen to fall for him so
0: yeah, I mean, I I tipped Parramatta on this podcast last week, and I was confident uh, in terms of... I tipped Penrith by two, actually, and, and Penrith ended up winning by two, but I, what I said on the podcast is that Parramatta are a genuine chance. I was going for Parramatta. I I, I have a soft spot for them as a club, and they were really in, for, in the fight, a lot more than a lot of people thought they would have before the game started, and, you know, we can go about the ref, referee decisions all the time, I think that... The trainer has been suspended for the rest of the year for Penrith, but you could also make the argument that, well, the refs and the touch judge let him stop play, which is, an, which is another argument by itself. So, you know, why, why Penrith and, and the trainer might have been trying to take advantage of the situation, at the end of the day, it's the referee's decision to stop the game, and he did it. So I know he's trying to watch a lot of things at once, but obviously he didn't see the trainer come on the field to get that initial assessment, and that is the rule. You've got to stop play when it is, and that really kind of negated any, negated any chance that Parramatta had of winning that game in those last few minutes. In saying that, Parramatta had more than enough opportunity to score more points, so did Penrith. It was a good old-fashioned grind, but it's interesting, especially going into this week against the Storm, when we cover that game, that Penrith, in two weeks of finals, and they've won one, they've lost the game, they've scored two tries, considering they're one of the most destructive um, point-scoring sides in the competition this year, the last two weeks, mate, all those points have dried up, and they've found themselves into two huge grinds of matches, and um, you know, it's going to be a tough ask to get up again this week and and do it all over again, they've got to do it this week, and if they win this week against the Storm, they get past Melbourne somehow, they've got to go for a fourth week in a grand final, and I'm just, you've got to question how much the Penrith have left after those two big, big games, the last two weekends, so I mean, yeah. Uh, Absolutely, and the, the
1: biggest question for me, and we'll talk about it in the in the Saturday night game, is just how many points uh, Penrith have, have in them, because I, I'm convinced that they have the best defence in the comp, um, no, no team in the comp has conceded less points than Penrith this year, but if we disregard Dylan Edwards' efforts under the high ball recently, their defence is incredible, yep. um, so I think they need to keep it low-scoring, but... Um, I mean like you said uh, With the Parramatta game Yes he's suspended for the end of the year And um, and they'll have a, a fine thrown at him as well But if, if, if Parramatta could pay 25k and give their trainer a, An early holiday somewhere in his own LGA I'm sure they'd, they'd happily do That as well so it's, um, it's A hard pill to swallow but um, yeah, It was still a great game of footy Like you said probably the best um, Finals game there's been so far
0: this year It would be interesting because a lot of pundits as well said that if Parramatta lost this game, then Brad Arthur might be under some pressure to keep his job. I don't think he should be after that performance because I think Parramatta, you could tell that that game meant everything to them. They were devastated when they lost, but they really aimed up against a team that not many people thought they were even going to get close to but I reckon the performance is great I think that that proves that the Parramatta players believe in what Brad Arthur is trying to accomplish at the club so I think that should really just stop any questions about Brad Arthur's immediate future at the Eels I think he's earned another year or two to stake his claim to try to get Parramatta their first premiership in 40 years
1: yeah, I think so too. I think he's, I think he's probably the real deal, and um, keeping him would probably be a smart idea moving forward. So
0: we both said also on our podcast uh, as we finished this game's preview, but uh, review. But Mitchell Moses, we've both been critics in the past. Got to admit, he had a great game on Saturday night in a big match situation, just like in that Newcastle game the weekend before. You can question the how much of a credible threat Newcastle were, but in this Penrith game, he really stood up. He had a great kicking game. I actually think he outplayed Nathan Cleary. Oh,
1: I think so too. And I remember back, I sent you a message halfway through the game and I was like, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth, but Mitchell Moses is playing good footy here. And I mean, if he does it in round 12 or 13, so be it. But in the finals, I just... I guess I just didn't expect him to stand up, and the way he did, I, I was impressed. I, I um, yeah, went out of my way to go pick up that phone and just let you know that I was uh, just couldn't, couldn't believe what I was seeing. So no, good on him. I mean, it's good that he's um, getting a bit of confidence in the finals. A win would have gone a long way, especially versus the likes of um, Luai and Cleary. But um, yeah, it is what it is, and um, yeah, just got to look forward to next year.
0: Right, right, let's get into the prelims now. I'm going to preview both the matches. I want to thank everybody for their support in 2021. and You've really expanded the podcast. I'm glad to be having some guests on, even though it is via you know a digital format. I'm glad to have guests on the show the last couple of weeks, and hopefully we can get some people physically and uh, do this in person next next year. But before we get to the two prelims, just quickly, um, I know you're a giant NFL fan. What have you thought of the first three weeks of the NFL? And also, big game in Australia this week. Uh, obviously, in a, in a different code, the rival code, the NRL's moved the Penrith Storm final to the afternoon to 4 o'clock. So the AFL grand final is unopposed. That grand final is going to be Melbourne versus the Bulldogs. An interesting story there about uh, the Bulldogs coming fifth and they qualified for the grand final. In the NRL, no uh, premiership winner has been out of the top four. It's happened a couple of times in the AFL. So, number one. Uh, let's just quick. We'll talk about the AFL first, then we'll get to the NFL. Well, who's your prediction between Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs in the AFL Grand Final? Are you a big AFL guy? Not a
1: massive AFL guy, but I'll go to the underdogs. Give the Western Bulldogs a crack here, and
0: um, I think they yeah, beat. I think they beat Melbourne earlier in the season as well. Oh, unreal! Yeah, yeah. Nice. so that nice. gives you a I mean, bit. Of... South's got slapped by fifty twice this year, but I'm not going to talk about that when we talk about that. Let's <laughs> leave <laughs> so like, the things that happened earlier on in the year. Thanks for bringing that up, but uh, <laughs> NFL, you're a uh, you're a Cowboys fan. How have you seen the first three weeks? I know you you love your you love your NFL. Can the Bucks go back to back, mate? Based on the first uh, two weeks yeah. and.
1: Dallas and Tampa um, to open up the season it was probably one of the best opening games I've seen in years. That was that was back and forward. Dak Prescott was coming off the injury. Um, everyone expected Zeke to start rumbling, whereas um, he was quite quiet in the running game. But there's just so many weapons on that Tampa lineup. I mean, <laughs> their receiving core is out of this planet, and um, I mean, you've got potentially. I'm going to use the word potentially the greatest quarterback or the greatest NFL player of all time throwing the ball to him. So there's just a lot of things that can go right there, and then their defense is probably the one, one of the best defensive teams in the league, especially against running the ball. But um, yeah, I like Dallas this year. I reckon we take the chip. I'm, I'm behind us in a big way.
0: So um, it's good to it's, have dreams. It's good to so have some dreams.
1: Good receivers there. You got CD Lamb. You got Murray um, Cooper. Um, so yeah, it'll be exciting, but, um, yeah, I
0: know your Giants have, uh, I can't wait for the, I can't wait for the Giants to win the NFC East and prove everybody wrong after two games. Mate, we, it's great, I, you only reply to me when I owe you a six-pack, we went a six-pack on the, uh, game last weekend between Washington and, it was Washington, was it Washington? Or was it was Washington Giants, yeah? Yeah, it was Washington Yeah, 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 and, uh, and obviously Washington get the field goal in the last second, you're loving life. I owe you a six-pack of stone and wood, so I'm going to have to replay that sometime. Um, when we open back up in October 11th, I might just avoid you for a little while.
1: Yeah, well, there'll be a little bit of inflation as that uh, bet goes on, so you better hurry up and deliver on it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, been, it's been a good um, first few weeks of footy, and, yeah, just um, hopefully there's not too many injuries. I know Christian McCaffrey went down today with an injury, and uh, there's been a couple of other um, ACLs left, right, and center in Baltimore. But, yeah, hopefully um, the injuries stay out of it and there's a good season of NFL
0: coming our way. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss that, at least between us two, a little bit later on anyway, um, as the season progresses. All right, let's get to the preliminary finals now. It all starts on Friday night. Right, and the action all kicks off tonight. Huge game. The winners in the grand final, live from Suncorp Stadium at 7.50. It's the South City Rabbitohs that host the Manly Seagulls South, they had the weekend off. They beat the Penrith Panthers week one of the finals, 16-10. Manly were big losers. I think they lost 40-12 to Melbourne week one. They followed it up with a 42-6 victory over the Roosters last week to qualify for this game. Just some stats for you. These two clubs have played 161 games, with the Manly Seagulls the slight edge in terms of history. They've won 81 games. The Rabbitohs have won 79 with one draw. In finals, the Rabbitohs hold an 8-4 advantage in finals matches dating all the way back to when these clubs both were in the competition when Manly entered in 1947. Not really relevant to today's match, but the Rabbitohs held a 3-0 green final advantage over Manly. But in prelims, Manly are undefeated against the Rabidos. They've won both of their prelim encounters, the last time being 2013, where Manly won 30-20. to 20. One more stat for you. Des Hasler undefeated in prelims as both a player and a coach. Barry, this is going to be a huge game. One of the main reasons you're on the podcast because we all know I'm a Rabbitohs fan. I can't be too biased towards see us. I didn't tip this against Pender of two weeks. Ago. I was incredibly impressed by the performance the boys put together. But you're, you're a neutral commentator in all this. How have you seen the Rabbitohs and Manly season so far? And It's going to be a huge game tonight. Yeah, they've been fun
1: teams to watch, I tell you. Um, like just both offensive powerhouses, the two of them. And uh, they, they met back in round two, yes. um, but, but I honestly wouldn't really reflect too much on that. That's what I call the pre-Tommy days back in round two. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, South won that game by 14, but if, if we remember back, those first six weeks of the Manly season, Manly started with four straight losses. Tommy didn't even suit up until round six of the season, and Manly were pretty low. Round five game by a field goal versus the Warriors because I reckon Dez might have been out the door before Tommy even
0: suited up for the season if they went zero and five. It was so- crazy, and I said on my podcast I said it was important in my season preview for Manly that Manly win a game while Tom's out for the first month of the competition. They did, they barely did as you mentioned, but maybe that gave them a bit of confidence before Tom came back into the team and said, okay. You know we're struggling, but at least we know we can get over the line if something happens to Tommy earlier later in the year. If we can get back to being contenders, because obviously they are down the bottom of the ladder at that point.
1: Oh, absolutely! And they looked like they were in all sorts. And then the first week he comes back, they they keep a clean sheet and destroy the Gold Coast Titans thirty six nil. So it was it was just a As soon as it started, it went it went game buster. So. Um, yeah, no, they're, they're being good. I mean, um, in terms of just, like, pure offense, like, I'm talking there's only five players that have scored over 20 tries this
0: year, and four of them are going to be playing on Friday night. So That's crazy. And um, three of them for from Ailey. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't want to mention that. But, um,
1: <laughs> yeah, and then you, you talk about, like, line break leaders. Number one, Ruben Garrick. Number two, AJ. Number three, Tommy Turbo. Try and assist leaders. Number one, Cody Walker number two and three, Cherry Evans, Tommy Turbo. Like, like these two teams offensively, I think are just going to have... I think there'll be a fair few points in this game. I think that it'll be a different conversation in the Saturday night game. But I think just the offensive weapons on both these sides. And I do believe the South Sydney offense is a little bit more predictable in, um, in the way that Paul and Graham they've only scored seven and eight tries this year. They're, they're, they're definitely not going right as often as they're going left. But I, I just don't think, <laughs> regardless of if it's a little bit predictable going left, I just don't think they they can necessarily be stopped when they go left. So, I mean, there's a massive, massive um,
0: um, change with, I mean, Des Hasler said that he gave the green light to Brad Parker and then 12 hours later it turned out he was taking the piss. But, uh, <laughs>
1: but um with Moses Suley coming in, he's got a massive job. The bloke was a reserve player last week and now he's expected to stop
0: the left side attack of Johnson and Gagai. So. And, and reserve graders haven't even been playing this year because of the pandemic. So he has got very little football uh, in the last couple of months. I think he started off the bench for mainly a couple of games, but with no reserve grade competition at the moment, it's a big ask for Moses Suley, as you mentioned. Oh, that's
1: massive. And I, I think that's going to be a huge, huge factor in the game. So that
0: that Brad Parker absence I think that can't be underestimated Parker's a great defender great defender Parker I, I think he's one of the most underrated defendi- defensive centres in the competition yeah absolutely but he's coming up against the a, uh, oh sorry Brad Parker, Brad Parker. Yeah, Parker. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah but I mean Alex
1: Johnson back to back Ken Irvine medals that he, he picked up last week so um, yeah
0: man's got to eat and um, <laughs> it's, it's going to be it's going to be a great game Mate, you mentioned a lot of points are going to be scored. It's interesting you say that because when you go back and look how Seafs defied the odds and upset Penrith from week one of this finals competition, that was really laid on the back of defence. And Seafs, they scored two tries. Penrith only scored one in that game. But they, they were... They got bashed. They came back at Penrith, and South Sydney's forward pack really stood up. I mean, you look at Tom Burgess's performance two weekends ago, and he's he made 220 meters in a 40-minute stint from the bench. That is that is huge. And when you look at Manly uh, and compare them to Manly's best this year, so a lot of talk this week's been about how Manly haven't been they haven't been in the top four scene this year. And you know, Ryan Girdle has accused them of being flat flat track bullies, and they they bully the the weaker opposition, but when they come up against, you know, a, a premiership contender, they really struggle. But, yeah, I mean, you you look at it, and and in that game against Melbourne, maybe there's a point there because Mel- Aminley's forwards really didn't fire. They're on the back foot immediately, and I think that Melbourne really highlighted the way where teams can shut down Tom Tororovic. If your forward pack just gets demolished, then Tom's going to have to take runs you know, out on the first second tackle to try to get your team out of your own line, that might be a way to kind of shut down Manly and maybe South's defence is the difference tonight.
1: Yeah, I I think one of the defences needs to show up because, like I said, I think both offences are going to be firing. But I think it's a little bit rough to say um, that Manly have only really capitalised on those um, teams that aren't the real deal. I mean... They're pretty much. They're actually undefeated if you don't count round seventeen when,
0: um, voyage
1: brothers and Cherry Evans were in Origin camp. They're undefeated since round twelve, except for when they versus the Melbourne Storm. That's yeah. that's a different story. But round twelve, we've gone back to like May. That's a long time ago. So they've they've definitely put some good teams in the ground um, over the last few months, but. Um, yeah, I mean, their, their defense is a question. They had 40 put on them only two weeks ago um, by
0: Melbourne. Um, and when you look uh, at the CFs, 250, line score, 250 score lines against them this year. The fact is you mentioned that Penrith uh, mainly undefeated against every team except Melbourne since Round 12. I believe they lost to Penrith in Round 12. So I think those are the only teams, teams they've lost to I think they lost to Newcastle with Tommy as well before in Origin, but really they've only really lost to Melbourne and Penrith for most of the year when Tommy's been playing. Souths have only lost to Melbourne and Penrith all year, so
1: isn't that isn't that funny? It's just how how this season has shaped up with that, just the way the game has um, definitely benefited those sides that have been able to keep up. Like you, you're talking about Manly me, and and Seas only really losing those games to to Storm and, and Panthers and. And now the Panthers are losing a Souths in the final, and Storm are just sitting there, kind of having a laugh while it's all going on. It's it's really a battle of the four, and um, yeah, it's, like, I'm happy to how the finals have sorted out. I mean, there, there was a top eight, but I mean the the fact that one, two, three, and four have lined up for the semis, I I think that's. I think, I think that's a good representation of what the year needed.
0: So, Especially considering how big of a gap between the good teams and the bad teams there were this year, 100%. So, oh, uh, it's,
1: it's ridiculous, yeah.
0: I mean, we've mentioned I've mentioned this on the show multiple times. When I even did my season preview for the CF Sydney Rabbitohs, I mentioned that if CFs don't make the grand Final in 2021, this year is going to be labelled as a failure for me, as a CF Sydney supporter. And I think a failure is a lot of, to a lot of other people out there as well because CF Sydney, they've been in three preliminary finals in a row. This is their fourth, and they've lost all previous three. They lost to the Roosters in 2018, the Raiders 2019. Last year, it was Penrith they lost to. They seem to be a team that you know, has great success regular season. They're always in the mix, but this current squad of Rabbitohs players haven't really been able to get over the line at this point of the season. So it's massive pressure on South Sydney. Manly, you mentioned it. They started year 0-4. and four. They didn't make the finals last year, They've overachieved, in my opinion, in the fact that if they make the grand final, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great celebration of, of Manly's season and, you know, Tom and Jake and, and some of those stars, the guys that really have been the heart and soul of that club for a lot of years, going for a maiden premiership. But for Seafs, the fact that they've been here, the Rabideaus, so many times, I think tonight's one of the most important games for the Rabidos in the past 10 years, take away the, the the last few games in 2014. I think that this is could be the final chance for the Rabbitohs. Adam Reynolds going to the Broncos next season. Wayne Bennett exiting. It's an end of an era, for sure, for South Sydney. What are your thoughts? Can South Sydney get over the line? And what does South Sydney have to do to win this game?
1: I think when the finals brackets were all drawn up and I saw that... And I, I, I did pick Penrith to, to go over South. So when, when I when I kind of looked at the bracket and I noticed that you guys had to go through the Melbourne storm to make the grand final, I kind of put you guys at that prelim dropout again. But I mean, now that you don't need to go through Melbourne to make it to the grand final, I think you're absolutely right. This season should be deemed as a bit of a failure for you guys. If you don't need to go through the storm before that grand final, I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, if you look back at the season and you say, "Damn, we played well," but we came up against uh, Bellamy and the Storm in the prelims. You know what? There's a little bit, a um, little bit of a justification there. But if you don't need to, I think you're absolutely right. The season's a failure if they if they can't get through Manly. On
0: Friday night, so the pressure's all the pressure's on South Sydney, and especially considering you look at the loss of Latrell Mitchell and the way South defended their way to victory over Penrith. You mentioned the fact, and everybody knows that Manly got plenty of points in them. So this game could potentially, if there's a lot of points tonight, I mean it's a sunny day, I'm pretty sure up there in uh, in Brisbane. So can South Sydney outshoot Manly because in, in a point scoring? Because as I said, they're missing their best player. Blake Taft did a great job at fullback um, two weekends ago. But in terms of point scoring, you got to remember, CF's in that 16-10 with victory. They only scored two tries. I mean, do CF have the points in them? Because we know Manly do. If Manly can get a roll on, obviously Melbourne's shown how to beat them two weekends ago, but if Manly can start this game well, most likely they're going to be scoring more than two tries, mate.
1: Yeah, I think Cody Walker's going to be the, the focal point of this game. And um, I do think Souths have enough points in them, but... Um, yeah, that you don't really need to look far to see where the points are coming from. Uh, I, th- I think that, like I said earlier, it's going to be um, what they've been doing all year and they're going to rely on it. Um, their Ken Ovine medalist is hopefully going to get over for one or two for them. And um, yeah, I, th- I think that I think South will have enough. I- I've kicked them here by six yep. to win the game. And I think that's, um, you yeah, I-, I originally had them win them by a little bit more, but I think. Just with that win that Manly had last week, I think they've got a lot of confidence going into the game. South had a, a really, really nice win versus Penrith, but I think it was two weeks ago Manly have really kind of given themselves a bit more confidence within the last week and I think it's going to be a lot closer than I initially thought Um But it's interesting. I mean, uh, some people, like, in terms of just, like, popularity of teams, Melbourne sometimes isn't the most popular team in the comp, and... A lot of people
0: say you either like the Manly Seagulls or you like the NRL. And then you've got... and then Who said that? ...that are cop and slack at the moment uh, for being cheaters.
1: So you're probably the most liked team
0: left in the, left in the finals <laughs> at the moment. So. I think a lot of people are warming up to Manly, though, because they, they just love watching Tommy play. I think they're actually becoming more popular this season than usual just because people supporters love watching, watching Manly just score so many points. So... I mean, I think Manly's key. You tip Seahawks. So I'm tipping Seahawks as well. I'm tipping Seahawks by 14, right? But listen, listen to my justification with the 14. Here we go. You might say it's because I'm a biased South City supporter, but for me, it's all about how Manly start this game. We saw Melbourne dominating, dominate possession, and their forward pack just not being able to... They were pretty much camped in their own 30-meter line early in that game against against Melbourne two weekends ago. It's Manly had to start this game and get a lead in my opinion. I don't think if South Sydney get the first couple tries of this game, the Rabbitohs win and say, 10-0, I think it could be game over because I don't know if Manly are that resilient. Because you mentioned their attack, and, and we all know how great Manly's attack's been with Tom Turovich, but I haven't seen Manly have an 80-minute defensive performance. Take away, you know, a 66-0 win over the Bulldogs. I haven't seen them have an 80-minute defensive performance for a very, very long time. And I think that... They need to score points and they need to be quick starters to have a chance in this game. And I think that goes for both sides. I think that we look at the Penrith-Parramatta game from last weekend, 8-6 scored on. I don't think we've got a chance of seeing that scored on. I think whoever's on in this game is going to start like a house on fire. And I think that the other team's going to really, really struggle to shift the balance of this game and get back into it. So I think that whoever starts well could really go out and get an early lead of about 18 to 20 points, and then defend their way to victory. So, I mean, that's what I think. I think that the winner of this game could potentially get into blowout territory. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right with that one. So,
1: the the Penrith-Melbourne game, I think, could be a little bit more of a seesaw in my yeah. eyes. But I, I think that, yeah, if somebody does make, yeah. a, make an early lead in this game, which I don't think they will, I, I think it's going to be a little bit more balanced. I mean, I've, I've put the game at only six points, yeah. but... Um, yeah, it's because I'm excited. I'm not that, really excited. I know you're probably more nervous for this game. But I am. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm really excited to, to see these two teams go head to head. So that's not a knock on meanly either, because I think me, I think this game's a fifty-fifty game in terms of who wins. I think it can go either way, one hundred percent. Obviously, I'm the you know the CF supporter means you know desperately hoping CFs get the job done. But me by tipping CFs by fourteen, I just think that's how the game's going to go. I don't think it's a knock on meanly. I think they're a great side. And I think that if Manly win, they're going to be winning by fourteen or more. You know what I mean? So I don't. I just want, I just want to be clear that I don't think that 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 Manly are, are not a chance because I think they're a big chance in this contest. But I think that whoever wins is winning this game thirteen plus. So okay. that's, that's my prediction okay. for tonight because I think that momentum is such a key part of both these clubs. Like you mentioned, Cody Walker in that left hand side for South Sydney, for example, and you can tell in finals matches if Cody Walker's off. Like, if, if that left-hand side is not scoring points for Us, that side gets frustrated easily, and they start doing some uncharacteristic things. I think whatever team gets put on tilt and gets put under a lot of pressure early and find themselves with a deficit could really struggle to, as I said, shift that balance and, and get back in the contest. So I, I think that works for both teams, definitely. So I'm tipping by CS by 14, you're tipping CS by 6, but it's going to be a hell of a contest tonight.
1: Mate, I don't think you care.
0: South Swimbaugh. I'll, I'll take that it while in. on. Just got to just gotta get over that hurdle, mate, for sure. All right. Yeah, nice. Let's move on to the second. Would you, of
1: like, the... would you like a
0: Mark Nichols field goal from 40 out? Mate, I'd love a Mark Nichols hat trick. And, and speaking of Mark Nichols, he's about to get a contract extension, mate. I reckon Reynolds leaving. Don't worry, Cody Walker. Don't worry, King and Murray. Let's give this captaincy to him in 2022. Full time. <laughs> Uh, uh, Thank you, thank you. All right, let's move on to the Saturday game now. We've both got the Rabbitohs making the 2021 Grand Final. Let's see if we're right. All right, so the second game, the second preliminary final, it takes place at the unusual time for an NRL prelim of 4 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. The sun's going to be shining bright up there at Suncourt Barra. These two teams are going to go to war with each other. It's the Melbourne Storm versus the Penrith Panthers. And the Storm, they got an easy win over Manly Week 1, I think it was 40 to 12. Penrith had to do it the hard way. South Sydney, huge upset week, one of the finals, beat them 16 to 10. They struggled to score points in that contest. Brian Toho, he was out for week two, and Penrith ended up winning that game 8 to 6 over Parramatta. Some very controversial circumstances. But this is the grand final that a lot of people predicted it would be at the start of this final series, and this is the grand final rematch of last season. In their history, these two teams have played 38 contests, and the Melbourne Storm have won 28 of them. Pender have only got 10 wins over the Storm in their history. They've only played in one finals match ever, and that was last year in the grand final, which uh, Melbourne won 26-20. One more stat to throw at you, barrel before you get into previewing this game. Craig Bellamy, Craig Bellamy coach Melbourne teams have never lost a game when they've been winning, and never lost a finals game when they've been winning at halftime. I think the record's like 25 wins, no losses. So mainly if Melbourne go in with a, with a lead at halftime they're going to be pretty much impossible to stop based on the stats. I mean, Melbourne went into the Sheds uh,
1: in the grand final last year at 22-0. So, I remember, I think uh, Cleary...
0: Uh, scored in like the 79th
1: minute And elected not to kick Just so they could have another crack at him So um, yeah once they're, once they're 22-0 up if, that, if anything close to that happens on Saturday night I think this game is over But um, yeah I think That was actually the last time Nathan Cleary's versus the Melbourne Storm
0: Yeah I think oh, Did he play No, he played, I believe he played round Did he play the early game Which Penrith No, beat no
1: he, he missed both of them
0: Did he? Oh, okay really
1: yeah, so there, there was a game in round three. Yeah,
0: that's the one um, I'm thinking. I know he missed the yeah, second one.
1: Uh, yeah, so he, he missed that game as well, but it was definitely a more realistic match-up on paper back in round three. Like, there was only a conversion that separated the teams and, and Penrith got the win there, but um, the teams that suited up in round three are a lot similar... Uh, sorry, are much more similar to the teams that are suiting up this weekend, obviously minus Cleary. But um, only a couple of weeks ago in round 20... Storm rinsed them by about 27 points. Once again, going into the sheds, 18 nil up at half time. But, um, I mean, Azai Yo wasn't playing. Cleary wasn't playing again. Coruscant wasn't playing. So there's three origin players. Eye Jr., I can't get enough of this guy. I mean, he le- leads the competition in offloads. Blokes out of this world. Fisher Harris, all five of those blokes were not playing in round 20. So I don't really read into this game too much. Uh, future immortal, Nico Hines from the Cronulla Sharks. He was starting the game and and Paffenhausen was coming off the bench. But, um, yeah, so I I don't really read too much into into that game because uh, Penrith were so shorthanded. But what I do read into is Penrith only scored 10 points in Week 1 versus the Rabbitohs and then 8 points in week two versus the Eels and they both
0: came off Cleary grubbers one of them, Momorowski threw a Hail Mary over his head hoping that Crichton would be there
1: and the other one was just a insanity. uh, uh, yeah, that that grubber to Capewell, that that was a masterclass but I mean, two two grubbers off Cleary are your only points in the last 106 minutes of football Um, yeah, it's a bit of a concern but I think, like I said, their defense, in my eyes, is the best defense in the comp. So I think if they're going to win, I think it has to be a low-scoring game for them. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I noticed as well, here's, here's one of my favorite stats, actually, that, um, that there's only two teams in the comp that have forced more than 50 dropouts this year. Do you know who they are?
0: These two clubs, I'd guess. No no, oh, no, 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 yeah, up the Sharkies. Um,
1: yeah, so I, think, I think they just need to keep Melbourne on the back foot. If they're going to win, they, they need to um, keep it a low scoring game, force a few dropouts, make the, de- uh, the Melbourne
0: defence just go back to back on a couple of sets. I think that's going to be key in this game. And you mentioned, when we're talking Rabbitohs mainly, that you think there's going to be a low-scoring game, which I think you mentioned. Penrith, best defense in the comp. Melbourne, we know what they're going to bring under Craig Bellamy, especially if a week yeah. off being freshened. But the sunshine up there at 4 o'clock, I mean, it's, a, it's perfect conditions for football. So there could potentially be some points scored for sure, but I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. And you can't get much of a read between these two clubs' uh, you know, games so far this year. Cleary, you mentioned the two tries they've scored so far in the finals, and it just shows you how important David Cleary's kicking game is to this club and how he tried to torment Blake Taff in week one of the finals, and he tried to do the same last week, and he he got some success last week as well. So I think this game's really going to be a battle of the forwards up front, but then it's going to be up to the halves to kind of control the tempo, and I think that Cleary's kicking game is going to be key. I think for Penrith to win this game, because I I look at Melbourne's side and I think they're almost unbeatable, mate, to be honest with you. I I don't know. I know that Parramatta did it uh, just before the finals and and that Melbourne had been up for such a long period of time because it was 19 wins in a row. But this time of the year, Craig Bellamy knows how they get these guys to peak performance and they've just been there so many times that I think if Pender, if he got any chance, he's going to be back on the back of Cleary and then he's got to have an X-Factor like Pengai Jr. and some of these big forwards really performing for him because you look at Melbourne's bench and... Melbourne's a great side, and if you can name one criticism of Melbourne, it might be that they've got too many good players because you look at their bench in terms of backs, because you look at their bench and they've got Grant and Nico Hines on the bench, right? And again, both fantastic players, both game breakers, both can be the X factor that can get you a win. But if Penrith can take advantage of the fact that they've got two smaller guys on their bench, the other two are two big guys, so they really make up for it in Kemika Mika and Nelson Osofa-Solomona. Osofa but if I was Penrith, I wouldn't be playing Tyrone Maki in the number 14 jersey. I'd be stacking their bench with big boppers and really trying to win the middle of the ruck and trying to get that field advantage and then let Nathan Cleary try to torment some of these back Five for, for Melbourne with high bombs and high uh, kick pressure uh, to really make them try to work their way out of their own line because if there's one weakness of Melbourne, especially when the, when the sun's shining, it's 4 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, it might be fatigue and some of these big forwards for Melbourne could get fatigued. Same with Penrith but if Penrith have four big boppers on their bench they can just keep rotating them. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a pretty good game plan if, if Penrith were to do something like that um, but I can't see Storm getting fatigued. They've been sitting in massage chairs for the last 14 days, relaxing up, up after their week off. But, um, yeah, Melbourne definitely doesn't change anything going into this game. However Penrith wants to approach them, they just say, no worries, we'll see you there. But, um, yeah, I mean, your, your, your take on how Penrith could potentially change up that bench and, and stack it
0: full of big boppers, I, I don't hate that because I think they need to do something here. to upset Melbourne. Otherwise... Sorry? To upset them. To upset Melbourne. They need to do something. Yeah, I think so because, I mean, most of the bookies have got Storm definitely
1: winning this one and I think it's going to take something special for the Panthers to to, to make a dent in this game. And Addo Carr's
0: back. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be... It, well, Brian Toe to adds a lot to Penriff, you know. I mean, he, they missed him big time last week. He makes two 250 metres a game, so Melbourne's going to really target Cleary, but I think Brian Toe is such a key component that of uh, this club and when we talk about Tyrone May I don't want to harp on the guy and, he, and his work because I think he's a solid player but in a big prelim like this where's he coming on? What's he offering in turn? when the game's on the line where are you going to put Tyrone May? That's that's what I'd prefer if Penrith get another big forward on and then they can really try to lay a platform and somehow upset Melbourne through the middle and um, but yeah, yeah,
1: it's a good, it's a, it's a good question, and it's no disrespect to May, like he's a great footy player, but it's a good question, and, and I don't know the answer
0: to it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so I think that's Penrith's key. Melbourne, as you said, they just got to keep doing what they're doing. They're just getting over opposition early in contests, and even if it does become a grind for Melbourne, they've got so many game winners in their club. You can put Nico Hines in there somewhere. The 1-2 combination of the Cheese, who who will be fit for this contest. There was concerns that he wouldn't be after he went off with a, a cheekbone injury in Week 1 of the finals. But the 1-2 combination of the Cheese and, and Harry Grant from dummy half. Abby Coruscant has got to really match them. And they're big forwards. The problem with the flip side of having so many big forwards there for Penrith, trying to make a din up the middle and a den up the middle. If cheese, if the Cheese or Harry Grant see any opportunity to, to run from dummy half and, and create something and nothing, they're going to take it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, um, What do you think? What do you think's the key? Because I've mentioned Cleary's kick name and, and Penrith's forwards are going to have to be elite for Penrith to have a chance. What do you think Melbourne do to win this game? Just, as you said, keep doing what they're doing?
1: Oh, 100%. Like, they, they put 28 points on the almighty Cronulla Sharks three weeks ago, and they played about three of their starters. <laughs> <places>. So, <laughs> they, uh, they just got to keep doing what they're doing. And... Um, I think Isaiah Yo came out this week and said uh, Jerome Hughes is somebody that they're, they're definitely um, going to focus on this week in the lead-up to the game. So they, they know that he can be a bit unpredictable in what he offers. And um, yeah, just trying to... The sa- same way that um, Souths need to try and minimise Turbo, I think Penrith need to try and minimise
0: him. Let's go, let's assume that... The, let's just pretend for a minute that this is the Green Final, right? It's a Green Final rematch. It's the Green Final this year. If it if if Penriff had gotten overseas week one, we can play if the if game all day, but if they didn't got into a grand final, does the fact that this is a prelim change your opinion on this game in terms of who's gonna win? You get what I mean. Or do you think that both... Do you think both teams are going to be at their best? Because Penrith last week, they played week two, and how much is that physically taking out of them? I mean, that was... Both both these past two weeks have been so physical for Penrith, while Melbourne, as you said, they've been resting up a week. And I think that they're they're just... They're hungry, Melbourne. I think that... I don't, I don't think Penrith's got enough grit, and they're going to be tough, Penrith. They're going to be in the fight. I just don't know if they can hang with Melbourne for 80 minutes.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I think that Storm are going to be way too fresh in this game. And it's funny, like you said, that you consider this season to be a failure for South if they can't can't make the grand final this year. And I think that everyone in the Panthers and Storm organisation would have said the exact same
0: thing about their teams. Especially Penrith, considering um, they lost that grand final. Penrith, in particular, got to be under a lot of pressure right now. Especially Ivan Cleary, because... um, Everybody, I think it was unfair a couple of weeks ago and they compared him to Brian Smith, who was the old Eagles coach and Newcastle coach back in the day, and and the Dragons, uh, the St George Dragons coach and the Roosters. He made it to so many grand finals, didn't win one. Brian, Ivan uh, Cleary's, uh, and Cleary, sorry, Ivan Cleary's actually got the second most games as an NRL coach or an, or an Australian Rugby League coach ever without winning a grand final. So, hey, yeah.
1: all, all all of those comparisons and. Oh, people believing that Sutton's been hoodwinked by the storm and all this nonsense that's happening um, in the lead up to the games. And it's just been so much back and forward. Even, even old Bennett's thrown his, his, uh, his words in the mixer. So there's just been there's been, there's been a lot of comments and jabs made. Um, but I, I don't think Ivan Cleary
0: has, has any questions to answer about the job he's doing. No. I think he's doing a fantastic job. But, but you know what I mean? Like When I said CFs are under so much pressure in that first game, if CFs lose tonight, get eliminated, it could really be disastrous for the club's immediate future in the next couple of years without Reynolds. Can they lift and respond to a fourth consecutive prelim loss? What about Penrith? I mean, the fact that they've barely lost any regular season games for two seasons, if they bow out in this prelim and don't win the great final... Man, that's a lot of pressure for a third season for them to lift it's, yet again and try to win that premiership.
1: It's an absolute disaster. I think Manly is the only team that has a get that has a has a reasonable excuse to go down this week. And I, I think, like I said, I think Manly will be up to the fight. But I think, um, yeah, Penrith, Storm, and the Rabbits, all of them really need to be there. They need to be one of the last two teams standing. So. Um, Penrith, I do not want to face the media if I'm Ivan Cleary after a loss on mm-hmm. Saturday night, uh, especially after making the grand final and going down by six mm-hmm. last year. And, and the way you've played this year, I mean, there was a little bit rocky after Cleary got injured for a bit there. But the way that Penrith have played this year has been sensational. And I think if they go down in the semis, that's yeah, that's a monumental disaster. But like I said, I think Manley's the only team that uh, can, can afford to, to take a loss this weekend and, and not be rinsed
0: in the media. Which might help Manly in terms of less pressure. They might overachieve and, and be able to do it again. But yeah, this is shaping up to be a huge game, mate. Before we give our previews, I just want to shout out uh, Jerome Luai as well and his form. He was electric in the first half of the season. I think when Cleary went down injured, that he really tried to take too much responsibility and his game suffered as a result. He tried to really game manage. I think for Panthers to have a chance, fours there to dominate. Cleary's kick game needs to be great, but Luai needs to go back to doing what he's best, and that's his running game and getting guys like. um like Croydon and Brian Tahoe space to do their magic uh, on the opposition line because I think he's been not at his best the last couple of months I think he really needs to step up
1: Yeah, I think if I find myself sitting on the lounge at like the 50th 60th minute and saying to myself where's Jerome Luoy? Is he on the field? Yeah, I, I think, so. think if, if, if that conversation's going on then I think Storm are up by 20 yeah. like, I, I think he, he really needs to be present in the game and, and um. Yeah, I think he's going to be a big factor in it. But I've I've tipped Storm by twelve here, and I'm a bit reluctant because I actually think it might be a bit closer. Um, and, and I think that I think Penrith are going to be up to the challenge. Uh, but I think the only way this game remains close is if it's a low scoring game. If if Melbourne if Melbourne score thirteen points or more, they win. In my opinion, I think. I, I, don't, I don't see Penrith getting more points than that. So I think in order for Penrith to win, it needs to be a low-scoring game like their last few have
0: been. Um, but if if the Storm put on 13 or more, I think this game's over. Yeah, I'm tipping Melbourne by 20. I, I've yeah. gone both 13-pluses for both these games. But I mean, for this one, uh, as I said, whoever wins between the rabbitohs mainly could go away, and I think it could be a blowout. In this game, I just think that Melbourne, I think Penrith can make it a fight and really be in this contest for the first half. But they need to find something special to stay with Melbourne for 80 minutes because I think this past fortnight has taken so, so much out of Penrith. Melbourne and the ultimate professionals. I think they're going to be way too strong for Penrith when it matters. I think they've just got too much energy for them. I think this year is really, and this last month in particular, has really taken its toll on Penrith. And yeah, I just think Melbourne... Melbourne at this point, for me, seemed Base pretty much unbeatable in this premiership race. There's a reason why they're a dollar eighty to win the cup. Yeah, I totally agree. I, th- I think Storm, uh, regardless of of what happens this week, no, not regardless. They Storm it's a very different
1: conversation. But I, I think Storm take the take the cake this year. But I think Panthers just need to go into the sheds close to tied up. Like in round twenty, they were down eighteen nil. I mean, I, I did say that there were so many big names out of that game. But in the grand final last year, they were down 22-0 when they went back into the sheds. I, I think I think they need to keep it close and have a 40-minute shootout in the second half because if this game's blown out, I, I don't see
0: them catching up. Absolutely. Um, well, thanks, thanks for being on the show, mate. That is our predictions. Our grand final, both the same grand final, the Rabbitohs versus Melbourne next weekend, next Sunday night. Last question for you. Clive Churchill prediction next weekend. Who, if it's the Rabbitohs Melbourne, like you think it's going to be, who gets the grand final in the match?
1: Oh, good question. Good
0: question. It's not uh, too early to think about. I think that it could be the cheese. I think he's good value. I think he's been great for him this year, Brendan Smith, and I think that he's. I think he could be a bit of a smoky. Um, and you know he's going to make forty tackles in the game. His his work at a dummy half could be the difference maker.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Ryan Paps. I reckon yeah. um, that, 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 that's where I'd be leaning towards. He's just so electric. and um, he, he, He's outside of Cronulla, my favourite
0: bloke to watch in the league at the moment, so he, he, he'd be where I lean. Absolutely. Sweet. No worries, mate. Well, thank you for being a guest on the show. I hope you enjoyed your time. I know you've been a long-time listener.
1: No, yeah, no cheers, mate. And, and uh, I was having a bit of a jab at you earlier, but I landed second in all my footy tipping comps this year. And uh, a lot of that's due to the... The risky tips that you take, and uh, I know you don't like to tip all the favourites, and I and I respect that uh, from you. So, and, which was a little bit hard because towards the end of the season, especially in those last few weeks, it was just a lot of um, a lot of people getting like eight out of
0: eight and things like that, just because they were tipping the favourites, and the favourites were coming up. And so, it cost you. It cost uh, me. I know. Sometimes I should be. A bit smarter of our approach especially this season because there was such a divide between the good and bad teams. But, yeah, man, I struggle to tip all the favourites in a week. It's a, it's a weakness that I have. There, there, there's nothing exciting
1: about tipping all the favourites. So, yeah, you're keeping us on the edge of it. Absolutely. Seats, mate. Man, so, thank you. Well, thanks
0: for being on the show, Barra. I hope to see you. I hope you can be on the show in a physical. We can we can do this face-to-face next year. Yeah,
1: looking forward
0: to it, mate. Enjoying ha- this weekend of footy. I'll see you uh, uh, midway through October uh, for a couple of schooners. But uh mate, expect a phone call tonight when South Sydney go to their second grand final this century.
1: No worries, I'll speak to you in October if they don't.
0: <laughs> thanks for being a guest on the show, Barra, and thank everybody and thanks everybody for supporting me so far this year. Hope you enjoy your football this weekend. Regardless of who you're back, it's an exciting time of the year and Barra, I'll give you the final word. You can say it. Say your team song. say say your slogan. The man in the black, white and blue. Thanks, mate. I'll see you next. I'll see you. I told you soon, but I'll see all you listeners next week for my grand final show.